before I start, I do want to say that, um, you know, as, as we're in this season, you know, when we sing songs about, uh, you know, my God who can move mountains, you know, that we are creating an environment that God, the Holy Spirit, is in us, that in our midst of our brokenness, he is still calling us to worship. We're still responding in the midst of not seeing what we want to see happen physically or emotionally in our life. We continue to pursue him. We continue to seek him. It's an amazing thing. I mean, God is in the midst of doing some amazing things right now at River City Church. And I'm just, it is exciting uh, to be a part of that. Not to lead it, but just to, to be in it with you. And, and, and again, the sense I have this morning is that, that God is so pleased that we're going for it, that we are just after his heart, that we're doing the best that we can, that he's making up the difference. And, um, and that's kind of what I've been talking about. I've been talking about this reality that we're called to live in as God's creation, that he's designed each of us to rule over his creation. He has designed and given each of us this desire to subdue and to rule. And we talked about this two weeks ago, and that this desire to subdue and rule kind of, it clashes as we're raising our children, and I talked a little bit about why it clashes when we're raising our children, because they're trying to subdue and rule, and they want to run off the path that we want them to stay on, because it's easier, it's comfortable, we want to protect them, and, um, and, and it's difficult when we see, because as our children grow, they want to take more risks, and the more risks they take, the greater the consequence, and as parents, we want to build fences around them, create environments that are safe and friendly and not scary for them. Yet, there's a part of their heart that God designed to break outside of those barriers. And I said, we each are just like that. We each were made to be in environments where we are breaking outside of what tradition has taught us. Or is breaking outside of what is safe and what is comfortable and what has always been done. It's what moves the kingdom of God forward. You know, it's, it's Lex stepping out and writing the next song and singing it for the first time in front of people and seeing and wondering, are they going to respond? Are they going to sing? Is it going to be, is this really what God's doing in the church? Or was that voice that's on my head just me? You know, and, and I can tell you from, you know, being close with Lex and Paul, they're, all their songs, you know, we try some of them and they all don't kind of make the cut because, you know, they were off a little bit. But when you sing a song like that, it's just obvious, isn't it, that Lex was hearing from God and that this is what God's doing in our church, that in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of, of, of just junk in our life, Lord, we are crying out to you. We're raising our hands to you. We're choosing to worship you, and we want you to heal us. You're the only one who can meet with us. I mean, it's so, you know, it's, it's what God is doing. You know, the fact that I'm talking about these, you know, two weeks ago, that God is moving mountains. We are, we are created to be mountain movers and mountain climbers. And I said that there are three groups of people, basically, and this desire to subdue and this desire to rule that we've all been given. That there are three groups of people at any given time. There's probably more, but at any given time, these three large groups. One group are people who have just come to River City Church. Or you've just come to faith, or you've just, you know, and God's healing you, and God's transforming you. And God's restoring what has been lost and what is broken for his own sake. And he's allowing you to become who he shaped you to be. And I said, and if that's you, you need to clip into the carabiner and realize that this is not where you're going to stay. Because if you sit, you'll sour. You know, you like milk. And if you sit, you'll sour. You're made to climb the mountain. And so enjoy the 
healing season, and that can be a painful and a difficult time too, because we, I'll we'll talk about that in a minute, and uh, you know, but that's difficult, so that's group one. Group number two uh, is, are people who have been at River City Church for a while. Maybe you've been on the life course, maybe you've done the core group, maybe you're on a prayer, the prayer ministry team, you've been in a small group, maybe uh, you help out at Hollybrook, or you go to the Saturday morning ministry, you know, or, and, and maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. You know, and I said, what you need to do is you need to start climbing. That you need to start moving out of this idea that, that it's all about healing. That it's, that it's only about healing. Yes, we're all on the journey of healing, but it's to empower us. That God's love not only heals us, but God's love also propels and empowers us into min- the ministry of furthering his kingdom. It's both and. And, and. and that was kind of the largest group I felt like I was speaking to last week. And, uh, and so you need to start climbing the mountain. You need to start moving forward. You need to start getting out of this kind of funk of receive, receive, receive. Because we're in a place where God is moving. And in the leadership, we feel like we need you starting to take risks. We need you to start stepping out and becoming who God made you to be. For you to start asking the question, Lord, what am I supposed to rule? What is it? What path are you calling me to subdue? And that's what that word means. Subdue means to to kind of trod a new path in a forest that's overgrown. To bring order where there's chaos. Each of us are called to do that. And to to begin asking that question and then begin that journey. And then the third group I said were people um, who know that they're kind of, you have a good idea of what you're created to do. You're you're maybe leading. You're in the process of climbing the mountain. All's good. You've had healing. You're in a healthy place in your journey. Um, But I said, you know, in that group of people, the danger is that you lose sight of God's vision for your life. And you need to get off the mountain, meaning that you need to climb to the top. You need to finish, get over this mountain, get to the top, and see what is next. Because God has planned something for River City Church that we can't see yet. It's around the corner. And the only way we're going to figure out what that is and see what that is, is if you... God's people, his church, begin to step out and look that direction. Finish what God has called you to or stay in it. But don't just keep kind of plotting the path that I've always been on. I've always led this. I've always done that. This is my deal. Now, for people who are called to that, and you're sure about that, and God's confirming that, and you feel life in that, you're excited about that, then we stay and we keep moving. But if there's an unsettledness in your life, and you're like, gosh, just not sure. There's not the fruit that there used to be. I don't have the passion that there used to be. You know, there's not, the same things aren't happening. The sense I had was that you need to get up the mountain and see what God's called you to. What is the next thing that God is calling you to, that God is calling us to as a church? So I said all that a few weeks ago, and um, I started getting these emails, Right? from you, and having these conversations and phone calls like, okay, you know, and, and they were something to the degree of like, okay, I, I have an idea of what it is, but I just don't know how to get started, and so I'd meet with people, and I'd talk about, well, just do this, just start, just start this, and if I'm wrong, well, we can fix it, but just start doing this, or, you know, and then there's other people like, well, I've always done this, I'm not sure, I'm kind of afraid, I'm kind of, you know, I'm not sure what it's going to look like, I'm already busy in my life, and I don't know where to put this, and, um, and then there are other people who want to meet with me like, I can't wait to tell you about this new mountain. You know, I can't wait to tell you about what God's doing in my life. But all these people, as I talk to them, 
I realized that the majority of you, and, and this is true for me too, are um, kind of what prevents you from becoming who God's created you to be, from climbing the mountain or starting to climb the mountain or, or, or kind of getting to the top and starting the next thing, are, are, can really be narrowed down to two things, insecurity and fear. Insecurity and fear. Those are, and those are just from my experience with you and in my own life, the things that kind of shut us down. You know, what, you know, why would God use someone like me? I mean, could God really use me in a healing ministry? I'm not even sure I believe that stuff. Or, or my life's just so, I feel like there's disarray and there's chaos. Like, how could, he, how could I lead a small group when I don't feel like my stuff's together? You know, and there's, the, there's this insecurity about who you really are. There's this insecurity that you really don't believe that it's God in you that does this stuff. And it's an identity crisis that you're having. And that stops you from starting. The other thing is fear. You know, and we love that verse, perfect love casts out fear. But the reality is, is that fear loves to stick around, doesn't it? Because if, if the enemy can get us to be afraid of what other people are going to think, or if the enemy can get us to be afraid that what will happen when we, if we fail, if the enemy can get us to not take that risk, then no ministry starts. Nothing new happens. The church stagnates then, and we become and we look like everyone else. And we become flat when that's happening. And instead of being known as a church that's powerful and that's full of risk-taking, it's adventurous, we become known as a church that is pleasant to come to. And it's nice, and it's fun, but it's not powerful. You know, and it's like, you know, many of you, it's like you have these dreams, you know, and you can almost see it. You can almost see it. And, and, and there's this dream that God's given you in your heart, this dream that you've been dreaming. And, there, and there's a voice inside your head saying, though, you know, you're never going to reach it. You're never going to attain that. Just quit thinking about that. Every step you're taking, every move that you're making, you feel lost with no direction. You know, your faith feels like it's shaking, and you go to keep trying, you go to keep, try to keep your head, held, your head held high, but it's tough. Now I have to confess, those are not my words. They're actually the words of Miley Cyrus, artist formerly known as Hannah Montana. I told you if you were following me on Facebook, I was preaching on Hannah Montana in two weeks. You know, it's obvious that she's been listening to my podcast and on our internet site, because the words of those songs are exactly what God's doing at River City Church. But to get the full effect, I, wanna, I want you to see this clip that I got, and I want you to watch it, but let me set it up for you, just before you shut down and leave. <laughs> Basically, what's happened, and I'm going to ruin it, so I'm sorry, but, well, just I'm sorry. It's a little predictable anyway, so you're not losing anything. But anyway... Basically, what's happened is, is Hannah Montana has gone home, Montana. That's my character. But anyway, um, Hannah's gone home, and she is uh, gone home as Miley to kind of catch a break. And, and I'm not going to tell you all the reasons. But she's fallen in love, and she's had to lie to her family, lie to her friends and her boyfriend about who she really is. And... Um, and about Hannah Montana. And she's in the middle of this huge concert to save Crowley's farm. 
See, that's prophetic. You know, Rick and Julie Crowley are in our church. I mean, Disney is obviously listening to the podcast. Anyway, to say, and she realizes, she realizes this, and this is the moment I'm going to bring you to in the movie. She's up on the stage, she's doing this concert, and she realizes she can't become who she really wants to be, who she's created to be, unless she stops being who she's really not. She can't become, and we can't become, who we've been created to be unless we stop acting like somebody we're really not. That's where the clip begins. And there's only so many sacrifices you can ask a family to make. The last time I stood on this stage, I was six. I was... I was just Miley. And I still am. people but I didn't mean to if it's not too late I sure would like a second chance I know you all came to hear Hannah but uh, if, if you don't mind I've I've written y'all a song. It's kind of personal. It's about what I've learned over the last couple weeks. Life's a climb. But the view's great.
we're going to include that on RCC2. It's totally pirated, but that's okay. We're just, you know, we'll ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Um, and so, powerful words. I mean, you know, I mean, that is the story of someone becoming who they're created to be. And the obstacles and the hurdles. So I'm watching this flick, not knowing the scene's coming with my kids, okay? Grace is, you know, she loves it. And so she's watching this, and I'm watching the build-up, and I'm watching the movie kind of off and on, and that scene comes on, and she starts singing the song, and I'm like starting to tear up. I'm like, what in the world's going on here? Get a hold of yourself, man, you know? Like, what kind of adventuring leader are you, you wuss? You know, but it was in the last two weeks. And it's just like, God has said, you know, this is your story, Antley. Are, are you going to believe the lies in your head? Are you going to become the dream? Are you going to live the dream that I've given you to live? Are you going to let other people define your life? Or are you going to define your life? Are you going to step out and become who I've made you to be and stop being what other people want you to be? And as I meet with you, as I listen to your stories, That's your issue. That's our issue. That it is scary to unveil ourselves and to become vulnerable and step out and risk. But the only way that we can become who we are created to be, powerful men and women of God, risk-taking men and women of God, is if we stop acting like somebody that we're not. God has made you to risk. And when you don't, you're acting like somebody that you're not. You're made to risk. That's what you're naturally created to do, to lead, to subdue, and to risk, to overpower. That's who we are as God's children. And like Miley, we know we are created to be something great. She knows it. That wasn't supposed to be a funny moment, but I realize now that it is. But we can't become who God created us to be until we stop acting and living like somebody we are really not. You are not made to fear anything. You are not powerless. You are not made to get your identity from other people and what they think of you. You are not less than anybody who has ever lived. You are not to compare yourself to anyone else and what they are doing in their life. You are not to look down on yourself and beat yourself up when you fail. And this is who you are. You each are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are created in the image of God. You are the visible expression of the invisible God. You are God's most beloved. You are the star of his creation, the one he would place on the top of his Christmas tree if creation was his Christmas tree. You would be the star. That's how he thinks about you. That's what you're called to be. You are hidden in Christ. There is nothing to fear. And you smell like Jesus. You smell like Jesus. When you walk around, people smell Jesus. Whether you're acting like him or not, they will smell him is what scripture tells us. You are the aroma of Christ. And this is what Jesus says about you. John 14, 12. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will, do, will also do the works that I do. If you believe in Jesus, you'll do the works that he's doing. And greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. And then in Acts 1.8, Paul talks about, you know, to the early disciples, you will receive power when the, Jesus, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then 2 Timothy. For this reason I remind you to fan the flame to fan into flame the gift, the Holy Spirit of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Francis Chan, Franny Chan, as I like to call him because we're close, said in his new book about the Holy Spirit that I'm listening to, I just, I just got it. I'm excited. I read this on the back cover of it. Well, the written book's not out yet, so I wouldn't, you know, I might have gotten that. It's not on the Kindle. I got that now. That's awesome. It reads any book to you, not even audible ones. That's amazing. Anyway, for any chance, it's this. He says, we need to be known not for our intellect, for our talent. We need to be known for our power. We have a powerful spirit living inside of us that wants to do damage to the enemy. You know, and the enemy's plan is to kill, to discourage, to steal, and to destroy us. That's his desire. And we have the spirit living inside of us that wants to risk and step out and take back what he has stolen to destroy, to oppress his kingdom, to overpower, to believe, God, you can do anything. Well, how's he going to do that? Through you. We like to sing, God, you can do anything, you can do anything, you can do anything, you can do anything. Do you really believe that about you? Do you really believe that you might be the one he wants to do anything and everything through? You are. We are agents of change in this world. We are powerful people in this world. And so we have to stop acting like we're not. We have to stop allowing our fear and our insecurity to rule our life. And that, I love that scene whenever Miley's up on stage and she says, you know, I'm just Miley and I still am. And then the most powerful part of the movie comes when she's just who she is. None of us are these special people in one sense. We are all equal in Christ, uniquely designed. We are who we are with our faults, you know, with, with our fears, we come to God and we just say, I'm available. Like Mac, I'm available, God, use me. I'm available, I'll just show up, just use me. When you start to follow Christ, you receive power from Jesus to do incredible things that only you can do through his power. You're not just blank, none of us. You should never think that, never say that, I'm just Antley, I'm just and I'm just, I'm just a, I'm just a, you know, I just flip burgers at the loop, or I'm just, I just do this. No, you, you are. It's like God is, I am. It's like you are. This, when someone asks you that, who are you? I are, you know? 
You can't say I am because that would be like God, you know, and then you get struck by lightning. So someone asks you, like, I am the great I are. I'm not just anybody, I am R, you know. But anyway, I was hoping that'd be a funny moment. But anyway, um, I want to read the story of somebody in our church that just sent me this email. And you've been praying for him, Rick Crowley, and, uh, and Julia Crowley, and little Trace, you know, was diagnosed with this horrible disease. It was going to, it's life-threatening. His liver was literally shutting down. He didn't have the enzymes in his liver. And, um, and I went, you know, we went to see him. We were praying. I was like, well, what we're going to pray for is that it, the test was a false positive, that it's just not, that they were just wrong, you know? And that's what we're going to send out in the prayer request. We're not going to pray that it's a milder form. We're going to pray that it was just wrong, and that he'll be totally normal one day, and the enzymes are all there, being restored, and God's going to fix him totally. Way to go. Here we go. And so this is Rick's email back to me on Facebook. She sent me a very long, very eloquent email. Rick's is all broken up and like, he's got to go to the bathroom real bad and he's trying to type fast, okay? (laughs) This is what Rick writes. Unreal. Unreal, exclamation point. The words actually came out of the doctor's mouth that the original screening test was a false positive for glycocostemia. Which is exactly what we prayed for, exclamation point. Not to mention, she told me that she was mistaken, that Trace has all the enzymes in his kidney that he needs to function as a normal baby. And he has this condition which is significantly more minor and treatable and non-life-threatening, as far as they know. It's still rare. I can't believe how amazing this news is and have to give God all the credit. Our prayers for healing were very specific, and the tests indicate that they were answered. This healing prayer stuff, I love this section. This, I, I just love it. This healing prayer stuff is new to me, and I'm taking a stance to believe it when I see it. Wow, I know that's the wrong way to go about it, but I believe. I've been praying lately to hear my song, to find out what my mountain is, what I'm supposed to do. I'm starting to realize that my song may be to enter in this healing ministry for other people, something I'd never thought I would do. Amazing. That's an amazing story. And I know, and, and, you know, in one sense, I know that it's difficult for many of you because you're in hard situations. You've been asking God. He hasn't been showing up, or you're still sick, or you're not healed. You know, and, and that, you know, we, just to tell you to seek God, seek his presence, and everything will follow, and, you know, you'll be empowered. And, I mean, I know that it's not that easy. You know, I know that it's not. And in the song, you know, well, 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 I know that there are times in our life um, that things aren't going to come together, that we're not going to get the answers we want, and we're going to suffer. I mean, and there are many of us right now who are in those places. I had a number of meetings this week with people who I had no answers for. I mean, just none. I just sat there with them, and I, I mean, it was painful to watch where they are. My heart was breaking for many of them. But in the song, you know, one of the things that it says is, you know, it matters. What matters, it's not what's on the other side. It's the climb. It says, ain't about what's, what is waiting on the other side. It's about the climb. I thought, well, you know, but for these people and for me, the people who choose to be who they're created to be, for people who choose to follow Jesus, there are times in our life where what's waiting on the other side 
is the only thing we have to hold on to, isn't it? What, what we have hope for in Jesus, the same power that fills us and enables us to become who we were created to be, is the same power that sustains us, who's creating a place for us, who has conquered evil, who we look forward to seeing one day, who died and rose and we will rise with forever one day. And so if you're in that situation, that painful place where things aren't happening, same person, same power, we all come to Christ for ministry. We all come for healing. Some of us are empowered to go, and some of us, he just heals. He comforts. And there are these seasons of life, and they're messy and they're painful. And like I said, this week was kind of one of those, those weeks for me. And I went into my office, and I was just kind of like, all right, I got no answers for anybody. Why am I in this job? Like, I really didn't know what to talk to people about. I really didn't know what to say. And um, I just started praying about it. And that's, you know, where God brought me was just to this song that, again, that Paul wrote that I feel like God's been singing over this church is that, you know, and we're going we're gonna to kind of move into that now. But it just talks about, the song that just talks about, you know, I know that he lives. I know that he lives. I know that he lives. And in that moment, Jesus was reminding me that that's enough, Antley, that I'm alive is enough. You don't, and you won't have all the answers in your life. But as we seek to follow Jesus and we fail, he's enough. He lives. He's alive. It's his ministry. As we seek to become who we are created to be, it's him alive in us that empowers us to become those people. And as we're distraught, as we're frustrated, as we're broken, he's alive. He's alive, and we have him to look forward to. Let's stand.